The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Sharon Osgood. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Dr. Shasta Safter. Dr. Safter has been with the Center for Digestive Health and Nutrition since 2009 and currently serves as director of the Motility Center at Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children in Orlando, Florida. In 2015, she became a diplomat of the American Board of Obesity Medicine and leads the Healthy Lifestyles Program at Arnold Palmer Hospital. Dr. Safter's interests include motility disorders, eosinophilic esophagitis, allergic gastroenteropathies, defecation disorders, obesity medicine, and medical education. Our topic today is assessment of pediatric neurogenic bowel. Dr. Safter, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So Dr. Safter, share with me a little bit about your practice and the patient population you treat. So I am a pediatric gastroenterologist, so I see children from the time they're born to 18 up to 20-year-olds. And as a gastroenterologist, we are commonly referred patients who have all kinds of bowel dysfunction, uh, bowel problems. Um, I also lead our motility program here at Arnold Palmer Hospital, and I'm also part of our spina bifida program as well. So we do see a lot of patients who are referred to us for uh, motility problems and uh, patients with spina bifida. So what most often brings these patients to your facility? Some of our patients um, do come from our own uh, NICU where they're born. We do have a fetal surgery program here and some of our spina bifida patients are actually born here and um, come into our multidisciplinary spina bifida clinic. Some of our patients who may have motility problems are referred to our center. We are a tertiary um, center and we do provide expertise in bowel management, in motility testing, in developing diagnostic and um, treatment plans um, for patients. And we do see a lot of second and third opinions um, and generally people who are not satisfied with how things have been going for them in terms of bowel management and bowel function. Um, they do uh, form a large amount of the patient population that we see. In your initial assessment, Do you and how do you utilize the neurogenic bowel dysfunction scoring tool? Um, The neurogenic bowel dysfunction scoring tool is a a very useful tool. It's a validated um, survey, um, and it uh, it was published in 2014 for assessing neurogenic bowel dysfunction in patients with spina bifida. And so we use this tool um, as part of our initial assessment when we're seeing a patient who has uh, spina bifida. The tool is... um, questions that are weighted and the scoring basically gives a clinician an idea in terms of the severity 
um, of bowel dysfunction. If a child is scoring um, at a certain uh, level, we know that there is neurogenic bowel dysfunction at play, and then the higher the score tells us how uh, severe it is and how much it impacts quality of life. Um, we use this as part of our initial assessment when we're meeting a patient for the first time to gauge where they're at in terms of their bowel function and bowel management, and we continue to use this as a tool during treatment as well to assess if the bowel management strategy is working for them or not. So could you just give me a broad overview of the clinical evaluations you perform to confirm a specific diagnosis? Uh, as a clinician, the uh, assessment begins in the clinic. When you first see your patient, you do a good history, you do a good physical exam, including a thorough rectal exam when you're dealing with patients who have uh, pediatric uh, neurogenic bowel dysfunction. Um, after we do a good physical exam and we can gauge um, any anatomical issues, we definitely use imaging modalities, depending again on the patient needs or requirements, you know, x-rays, MRIs, uh, ultrasound. Um, sometimes we use transit studies, uh, which are a series of x-rays where a patient will swallow radiopaque capsules and you can assess colonic transit time. And we do at our center have the expertise in motility testing, which includes manometry. Um, we are able to do colonic manometry, which assesses the entire colonic function. And specifically, we can also do anorectal manometry, which is a, a tool to measure anorectal function. So this tool that you mentioned, manom uh, manometry, um, could you speak a bit more about that? Sure. So um, anorectal manometry is a, is a tool, it is a motility test to assess a patient's anorectal function. Um, we gauge uh, several different uh, pieces of information by performing this test. It, it can be easily performed. Um, we perform it unsedated um, in most of our children because we are actually looking to our patients for information. Um, there is a small catheter with sensors on it that measures pressure. There is a small uh, balloon device um, that can be inflated and deflated by the performing um, clinician. And uh, when it's inserted uh, within the um, anorectal area, we're able to assess a patient's anal sphincter tone at rest we're able to gauge where their rectal sensory threshold is by inflating and deflating the balloon. And that's where we want our patients to participate and able to answer questions for us in terms of where they can feel it, where they have uh, sensation or urgency when it comes to stooling. Um, it also helps us assess um, the strength of the muscles in the anorectal area. So we can have them perform a squeeze maneuver, for example, which measures the external anal sphincter. And this is very important in terms of maintaining continence. You know, a patient who has a deficit in um, the ability to perform an effective squeeze using the anal sphincter muscle is going to deal with uh, bowel incontinence issues. Um, we also uh, assess defecation dynamics when we have them bear down or push like they would be expulsing stool. And again, we're gauging to see how the sphincter complex um, reacts when they're using um, techniques to bear down and push and whether their rectum is generating enough adequate uh, pressure for expulsion. 
Um, we perform balloon expulsion tests where uh, with a small inflated uh, balloon, we have a patient bear down like they would be uh, in trying to have a defecation and again, assess for the anorectal muscles to work effectively in having uh, uh, a bowel movement. So it's, it's, it, it provides a lot of useful information, I think, when you're trying to assess a patient um, and figure out um, where their deficit is or what their strengths or weaknesses are and how best to help them in terms of their bowel management. How has the evaluation process evolved over the years? So I think um, depending on the patient population, so if you have a patient who was born with a congenital malformation or congenital anomaly such as spina bifida, um, they were defined by their diagnosis at birth. A lot of assumptions are made, well, because they have spina bifida, they will be able to do certain things or will not be able to do certain things. And every every individual is different and every patient is different and every patient's level of function is different. And I think um, our, our evaluation process has evolved where we're able to individualize treatments by better defining um, what the individual patient's uh, physiology is. Um, and they may have not been born with a congenital anomaly, but yet have significant bowel dysfunction. And um, we didn't have a name for it and we couldn't understand it. But now with these sophisticated tools for checking motility and checking bowel function and assessing transit and assessing um, outlet, um, this provides us insight into where the patient is in terms of their level of function when it comes to bowel management. And it, as a clinician, it offers us uh, more um, direction in terms of a treatment plan. Thank you so much. Um, in closing, what do you believe the future will bring for the diagnosis and the management um, process for these patients? Um, I think in the future, we're going to get better and better. I think we once again have to recognize that in medicine, we have to individualize and tailor our, our management based on our patients' needs and requirements. Um, I think we are doing a better job in um, defining our patient population. We're doing a better job in assessing their bowel function. Um, and I think, again, we are getting better at different treatment approaches and treatment strategies when it comes to um, managing patients with, uh, with neurogenic bowel dysfunction. And I think we're getting more and more clarity in terms of responders versus non-responders. And uh, I'm very optimistic about the future and our patients. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.